Hi, welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. Today's guest is a good friend of mine who I met through the Brene Brown training that I did back in, I think we decided it was 2011, back when it was called Connections. Yeah, Kelly and I met and instantly connected and then got to deepen our relationship when we did a shame intensive with other professionals. So Kelly, Dr. Kelly Ritter, excuse me, she earned her PhD in counseling from Georgia State University, and she developed a passion there for Adlerian psychology, play therapy, and traumatology. She spent the last 20 years working with children, teens, and families in various roles through counseling, parent education, and consulting services. As an associate professor in counseling, Dr. Kelly is most proud of developing the very popular Wellness and Resilience in Counseling elective course at Argosy Atlanta, and she currently provides workshops, retreats, and trainings in the areas of wellness, trauma-competent supervision, and wholehearted living. And that is just the perfect bio for her because this is literally everything that we talk about. So I hope that you enjoy my interview with Dr. Kelly Ritter. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Duh. I'm su- <laughs> I'm actually super excited to talk to you today. I was telling, so just so the listeners know, I was crying literally before we started this because I'm not <laughs> having the best day, but I was telling Kelly that I'm so glad that it's her because Kelly's an old friend now, It's which is yeah, kind of yeah. funny that you're an old friend, <laughs> but we met at the Brene Brown training. Yes, and we did a shame intensive together, so it's perfectly yeah. fine to cry with me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. When was that? 2010, I think, or 11? I can never remember. You know what? I think it was, I don't remember. I think it was 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So now, A while ago. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'd say seven years is a substantially <laughs> long friendship. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Other than our connection to each other, uh, you want to tell the listeners who you are and what you do? Sure. So I am a professor in counseling. I work with master's level and doctoral students. And my area for years and years and years was working with children and families. And parenting was kind of my thing. And then started doing my own journey to wellness. And so for the last maybe, gosh, about the same time as our shame intensive. Mm. <laughs> wellness has really been my area where I, so I teach a wellness course and most of my research now is focusing on wellness. So that's what I do. And it's awesome. Thank God <laughs> you do it. I was literally <laughs> talking to my class on Tuesday night and I can't yeah. remember what it was, but I brought up self-care and I asked them all, you know, how do you engage in self-care? You know, and they tell me the normal things like, oh, I walk my dog, I listen to music, blah, blah, blah. And then one of them was like, she she just kind of made like a face and a gesture that that was like, well, this is just bullshit. And I, right. I was like, well, tell me a little bit about your reaction. And she said, we just, we talk about it all the time. But we don't, nobody gives us time to do it. Nobody gives us opportunities to do it. And so it's just one more thing that we have to put on our plate. Ooh, brave. Yeah. Yeah. And I talk about it a lot. Well, I talk about it in every class too, because I think it's really important. We talk about it as, you know, self-care and we're healers. No, well, not everybody's a healer. I I guess I should put that there. You know, the people, our students, there's lots of room for people doing counseling and therapy and all of that. But if we're going to do this work, you know, my, my view is how are you going to take anyone on a journey 
an inner journey on their own wellness and to their own wholehearted living if you aren't on the journey yourself. And so Mm -hmm. for me, self-care is not even a, it's not an option if you have time, if you have, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely essential to what we do. And what we also know, you know, some of the literature is actually catching up now that we have to be trained we could be resilient in session. I'm trying to teach my students and my supervisees how to be present in session, taking good care of yourself in session, mm. not out of session. I mean, right. it's out of session too, right? But I think it's great that a student is willing to say, wait, this is bullshit. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. But can we get real about it? Like how hard it is and that it's not always mm-hmm. pretty. And Mm -hmm. it looks kind of, you know, my self-care might be like, I got to lay in the floor and cry. (laughs) That's mine right now. (laughs) Right? Like, I can't get up. And, you know, a lot of my students think it's supposed to be like this, an hour massage, Mm -hmm. you know, once a month or something. I'm like, no, it's, I brushed my teeth today. Yay me. Or, you know, even teeny tiny little bits of taking care of ourselves. I include being present and, and being well-trained and taking our, care of ourselves in session. Can you talk a little bit more about what those techniques are? Yeah, well, just so a lot of it comes from trauma training, right? And what we usually call in trauma work would say probably resourcing, but mm-hmm. being present, grounding, you know, feeling the floor under your feet feeling the chair, using all five senses to kind of smell. I'm really big on smell, I guess. Mm. I like to smell like a spa everywhere I go. So I sling, (laughs) you know, I I sling my eucalyptus oil everywhere. You know, I usually try to make sure it's not offensive to people. But I think, you know, really making (laughs) your eucalyptus offends me. Right. Well, you never know, right? I don't know what's going to trigger somebody. But at the same time, as therapists, I think we have to have the things that help us feel good around you. So Mm -hmm. in the room, have, you know, a stone from a hike that you love that you can see and have things that kind of ground you and keep you present and remind you to stay in that moment and breathe. Because I think where we start to get burned out, and feeling not okay is because we're not staying present. And mm-hmm. so, but I know that's a practice, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, I've been working at it for a long time and I'm certainly not perfect or anything. So just to have little reminders or smells in the room that kind of remind you, okay, stay present, stay here, that kind of stuff. And I like, you know, mm-hmm. I do a lot of wiggling my toes when I find mm-hmm. that I'm drifting mm-hmm. away or I'm starting to think of what I need to do with this client mm-hmm. as opposed to staying really in the moment and listening to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Does that help? Is that what you had in mind? Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Because I find some of these things, our bodies and mm-hmm. potentially our minds, but I kind of think it's more of our bodies intuitively know this and intuitively do it. Like, of course, I have a shit ton of crystals in my office. And there's yeah. one particular mm-hmm. client who tends to need to hold something heavy to ground. And there was yeah. one day that I was having a bad day and I gave him his crystal and I took mine and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this with you today because <laughs> mama needs her crystals to yeah. repower. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think just being aware of that and giving ourselves permission. I think especially a lot of folks who are new counselors and therapists mm-hmm. will think they can't be holding a crystal right. <laughs> in the middle of a session instead of saying, you know what? I'm kind of feeling like I'm drifting and I want to make sure I'm really present and grounded for you. So I'm going to hang on to this right now. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you're welcome to do the same if you see something in this room that would help you. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's, that's good modeling. It's great modeling, too. Yeah, and a lot of people just have never even thought about it. I had a therapist once who would do her nails while we were talking. Probably huh. that probably wasn't about grounding, but <laughs> not, I was gonna say I not don't like know. not it's like painting, but she would she would file her nails. File them, yeah. And that's funny. <laughs> it did bother me a little bit now that I think about it, but that's that's a little different than holding a crystal. Well, I still think that's important, though. That's why I said, you know, I go slinging right. my eucalyptus around. But if right. it's offensive to people, I can ho- I can hold off right. and do something different. And if you're filing your nails and it's you know upsetting to somebody because it sort of seems like you're not listening, if you're. Mm-hmm. But maybe that was her way of I don't know, paying attention. That's weird. Sorry, I think that's a little weird, but it, okay. It is. It's okay. It was great. She got me where I needed to be at that time. <laughs> well, then that's all we really needed her to do. Exactly. Right. So, you know, you, you mentioned as you started to go on your own wellness journey, that's really kind of how yeah. you started down this path. Is, is there anything in particular about that portion of your journey that you want to share? Well, you know that there is, Sarah, because you've heard the journey. <laughs> you were there I, for a I know, it. but I want to um, know what you want to share. You know, what I'd like to share about it is that it usually starts because it's messy. Yep. And you realize that, you know, there's got to be more to life than this daily kind of grind or whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, you know, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so that's when I got really interested in health and wellness. And I did everything that I wanted him to do because I'm a little bit of a control freak that Mm -hmm. way. And I think it was my way of having some control. But it also really helped me. And every I just tried different things. And then I thought, you know what, this would be really great for the people we work with, the clients and students that we have. So you know, but it, it wasn't like this, oh, it's all going to be great. And it's wellness is all pretty. It mm-hmm. definitely hasn't been that kind of journey. It's been, there's some really difficult stuff that's come up and that had to go. Yeah. <laughs> some things I was rather attached to, actually, that I realized were really in the way of my own wellness. And so letting go of those things. And what I've found is that the suffering, I think there is some suffering that we all experience just as being humans, and we have shared, mm-hmm. you know, that's a human experience. But there's also what I would call unnecessary suffering. And for oh, me, yes. that's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. for me, that was hanging on to shit that was not helpful to me. And I would sort of know that it's not but I kind of wasn't ready. And that can be a career kind of thing. Or, you know, for me, it was a business that I wasn't really willing to let go of or mm-hmm. a title. You know, I just did some interesting things too. like when I realized that I needed to let go of my business that was focused on parenting. And I had a hard time just taking it off of my email signature. Wow. Which who nobody looks at that. Nobody even cares. But I, I don't know, it was like my identity had been that for 20 mm. years. And so being I felt like that the unnecessary suffering was the hanging on to it. Absolutely. You know, because it's going. Yeah. What I have figured out is that, well, I have a couple of things. One is that rarely is anything as it seems. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. 
just when I think I've got it figured out or I know something, definitely I know this, then I'm shown the exact opposite to be true as well. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, so clearly I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super. And you know, I don't like to know. I, I like to be in the know. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing in the world for me is to seem stupid. I don't want to ever seem stupid. And so I've just really gotten okay with the fact that sometimes I'm going to be do some stupid stuff or seem stupid and that's just going to have to be okay. Yeah. So that's a big thing. And then to let it go when you know it's time to let it go so that you don't have as much suffering. Just surrendering, I guess, is probably the better word. Yeah. Do you feel like the, I guess, the the compassion that you have with yourself, do you feel like part of that is a component of age and wisdom and not giving a fuck as much anymore? Because I feel that over the years, like I can create more space for self-compassion because I give less fucks and because the longer I'm a therapist, the more people that I see who are suffering and the more it it helps me understand how not alone I am. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I see some young people that are really brave and able to do this, but I wasn't really there. So yes, the Mm -hmm. older I get, the less I give a shit. I still really struggle with letting go of what other people think I've, I have mm-hmm. me too. I still work, you know, like yeah. I work around that. And I'm like, really, we're doing this again. Okay. I have a lot of fear around that, which is still surprises me sometimes. But mm-hmm. I do think the older I'm, you know, just with more experience. And when you're really living from your heart, which I was all about the brain. Mm. And, you know, it just took me a while to realize that the power of the heart. And I'm still a big fan of the brain and how important it is. But I right. really live I let my heart guide me. Mm-hmm. And that really does help in not giving a shit. But you cannot worry about who's saying what and what's happening. Because if you know that it's in your heart, that's the only way that I can really be guided. That's right. the only way I can figure out what's real in this world of that's full of, you know, illusion. <laughs> so yeah, and, and I don't know about you. But for me, it's so I'm Right now, I'm talking with a collective of women who we had a really similar experience at a place. There's very much like Me Too stuff going on. And uh-huh. so at this period in my life, I had just graduated from college. And I've talked about this before in my childhood. I felt mm-hmm. like my intuition was really invalidated and and very much like tamped down. And so I, that wasn't encouraged to listen to myself. And then I ended up in this environment that was particularly psychologically abusive. And I mm-hmm. just because I've been talking to a bunch of women that also experienced that right now, I went back and I read my journal during that time. And I was fucking suicidal the whole time. <laughs> like literally every entry was about wishing that I wouldn't wake up the next day and feeling mm-hmm. disconnected and all this sort of stuff. And it's like I read that now and with my education and my understanding about the pain that I was going through, it's because I was in an environment that was toxic, but there was no space for me to to really say that. There was no one to validate that. And mm-hmm. so I just became crazy. Yeah, I think that so many of us experience that and you think you are going crazy and right. and I can't believe any of us make it out. But I also think thankfully we do because then when we can sit with other people who are in it and hopefully mm-hmm. validate Right. And say you're not alone and you're not going crazy because I think a lot of it, the environment has a great deal to do with everything yes. that we experience. But I also think it's a mirror, you know, for what's going, what needs attention internally. And somehow mm-hmm. you were able to come out of that and have 
be a changed person for the better. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what I know about you. Ha <laughs> 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 Fooled you, sucker. <laughs> I you know. No, for sure. Like, and, for sure. And without yeah. those experiences, I don't think I would have the empathy that I have, you know. Correct. And I also think that sometimes what we call, especially those of us in the field of, you know, helping profession field, that some folks don't realize that what's happening is more of an awakening. And so it's difficult if you haven't had some experiences on your personally where you've transformed internally and had something Mm -hmm. happening that I guess for lack of a better word, we'll call it awakening. But if it's very difficult to be with other people who are doing it, that's where we get therapists that are misdiagnosing folks. Yeah. Saying, oh, well, you know, invalidating in a way that actually isn't helpful to people. So right. I think that's just another piece of it. Yeah. I'm almost finished with that book, The Leap. The oh, yeah. Psychology yeah. of Spiritual Awakening. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's yeah. funny because I was thinking about that same thing, too, especially with what I'm going through right now, you know, mm-hmm. in, in moments of clarity and optimism. <laughs> right. I can tap into that. Like, no, this is definitely a spiritual awakening of sorts. This is the struggle before the triumph, it, you know, whatever that looks like at some point in time. But it feels like shit. And it's hard right. to be in the middle of that storm. It's, yeah. This doesn't feel spiritual. This feels like being kicked and punched in the face by life. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's really what was kind of irritating me, not really about the leap, but while I was reading the leap, because people were, you know, um, he's just talking about the experiences that people mm-hmm. relay to him about awakening. And a lot of people talk about this blissful experience. And I was feeling pissed when I read it because right. I was like, I wouldn't call this bliss. Mm-hmm. I would say that when I am, when I do feel that clarity and that connection, it is very peaceful, Mm -hmm. but it's more expansive, like a nothingness feeling for me. Mm. And, you know, one of my teachers said to me, oh, yes, well, different paths. And at first I thought, oh, okay, different path. And then I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do I get the bliss path? I know. Give me that one. (laughs) And she kind of laughed. And I was like, no, I'm not kidding. Like, is there a way to like get that path. But I have experienced um, now, thankfully, a couple of times I've experienced this kind of the oneness experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this I think is what people are talking about. But what about the part that sucks? Mm -hmm. Like, are we really talking enough about that? The part that is not bliss, people. Um, it, It does feel like life And I do think that has to do with what I was talking about, that surrender piece and the unnecessary Mm -hmm. suffering. I think if we can recognize things and move through it in a way where we're understanding that so many people have no one to help them and don't recognize it. I mean, it's hard enough for us and we do know to recognize it and say, oh, this is just part of the path. And I, I know enough about oneness to feel good enough about the bad stuff that comes with it. But yeah, this this, this shit's hard. I'm not mm-mm. Yeah, I'm I, like I don't totally recommend it cuz I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do cuz I can't imagine going backwards now. Right, right. But it's not the path for everyone and I think that's just got to be okay. Yeah. Well, it it is what it is. So, acceptance is the answer, right? That's what they keep telling me. I know. Oh, I do think that that is, it's definitely been helpful in my own experience. And I do think 
when I use my own experience as the guide and not yeah. what I think I'm supposed to do or what I was taught to do or, you know, what other counselor educators do. Mm-hmm. Lord knows I can't look there because everybody looks at me like you're a strange bird, Kelly Ritter. Which is just ridiculous because you're not. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. And they're nice to me. So that's a good thing. But I do think very differently than a lot of my colleagues. You know, I'm talking about gut health in a class because Mm -hmm. I just think and they're like, why are you talking about gut health? And I'm like, because it has a great deal to do with mental health. Right. And we're not. I mean, where else are they going to learn this? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the odd, odd bird. But um, but I do think if we stick to our own experience, let it lead us. That's as close as I can come to figuring out what is real. Mm-hmm. And and I guess I'm just thinking about we are in a collective awakening right now, yeah. certainly. And I do think that a lot of people are accessing that, you know, I hate using the word like true or right, right because it's that just seems too absolute. But. I do see a lot of people out there proclaiming that they are woke and proclaiming that they are following (laughs) their authentic self. Right. But I being I'm an authenticity bloodhound and that's a product of my, you know, environment as a childhood. And I can sniff it out if you're not being authentic, but you think you are. That is my least favorite person. Yeah. Because I just can't tolerate it. I know. I love that about you. That's <laughs> <laughs> why we're like friends. authenticity bloodhound. You know, it's like mm-mm, I mm-hmm. smell bullshit there. But I also I get I totally get what you're talking about, and where I come from on that too is that I have been I think the person that really wanted truth and authenticity and mm-hmm. was sort of. Um, not sure. And I think maybe I did and probably even still do sometimes fake it till I make it kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. so I want to have some compassion for folks who are at least attempting, but I do have very little tolerance for folks who are saying, no, I'm, you know, I'm woke. And I'm like, and they're not even close. I mean, not even, (laughs) but at the same time, you know, there's some great spiritual teachers that I really looked up to. And lately I've been wondering like what in the world's going on because I've been really disappointed. And so it's, it's humbling to think I still get caught up thinking that there's somewhere to get. And I know Mm -hmm. there's not, I know that we're on a journey and there's nowhere to get and it's a continual process or whatever. But I still think of those folks that have been doing it longer, been authentic longer is, you know, the way to model that. And I've been Mm -hmm. really kind of, they're just human beings too. Right. So I'm trying to have some, I'm working on non-judgment around that, Sarah, is what I'm doing. Yeah. I can't say that I'm great at at the non-judgment piece, but I work at it every single day. Yeah, I was I was just reading actually that chapter in the book last night where he was talking about spiritual teachers who potentially get put on a pedestal before they're integrated uh-huh. with the awakening. And then that is when people are more susceptible to narcissism, megalomania, ego, and those sorts yeah. of ego. Right, exactly. Yeah. Our culture just almost requires it. You're right. Even so, even in the Daring Way community, yeah. when we did our, our regional conference, one of the seminars was about authentic social media. Mm. And everything that this person said, I was like, that does not feel authentic to me. That feels like sales. And sales is not authentic to me. An authentic way of, you know, getting people to come to you is just walking the walk, not 
putting all your hashtags out there. Like, yes, fine. (laughs) Do a couple hashtags. I get it. But there was just something so gross about it. And that is what we're told that you're supposed to do if you want to grow a brand, quote unquote. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you brought I mean, I struggle with this because I find myself getting caught, you know, in the Instagram game because I... I, I gotta tell you, I don't dislike a game. Oh, right. I will win this challenge. I'm winning this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you come with me. We're winning. That's just, and then I'm like, no, mm-hmm. sometimes we lose. We do. I do. I get it. But I, you know, I don't know. I have to put it away often and say, yeah. and my 16 year old was like, mom with the hashtags. You gotta <laughs> relax with the hashtags. I was like, what? Oh, I was funny. told, I thought that's what I was supposed to do so people mm-hmm. could find me. He's like, seriously, mom. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I know. Even in our tribes of people who are about as authentic as you could get, are really working on it hard. Mm -hmm. I've been noticing some some of the same stuff. Like, is this really authenticity? I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it often. And I guess, you know, as we're kind of thinking through all of this out loud, I guess it doesn't matter because... (laughs) We will flock to our own kind and you and I found each other just like, you know, we've found other people in our lives that practice authenticity in a way that resonates with us. And so, you know, kind of coming back to your idea of practicing non-judgment and it's really, really hard because I super do want to judge if you're posting too many selfies, I'm going to call you out on it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I hope you do. Okay. If if I'm doing it, you need to call me out. Well, I think it's interesting, like posting pictures of oneself that are like, and this is totally my own fucking judgment, but like, (laughs) like professional pictures of oneself or like every once in a while having a selfie, like that's different than like every other post just being... Hi, I'm snapping a selfie. I mean, maybe that's just, know. that's our age potentially too. <laughs> I was going to say, can't I tolerate it. it totally sounds like something I would say. It's mm-hmm. like, really? Mm. But what I also, I mean, the way we started this and we were talking about grounding and being present, I feel like, you know, if you're spending time getting your selfie or doing your, hi, I'm at the whatever museum here. I mean, just enjoy the museum. Put the phone away. Yeah. I get that you want to, take a few pictures. And I believe me, I'm trying to navigate the whole thing myself. And it does pop in my head when I'm at somewhere to go, you know, this would be a good Instagram post. And it's like, you know what, maybe, Mm -hmm. but just be here now. Mm -hmm. And if it feels like, gosh, this is a good moment to capture something, I guess that's, you know, totally fine. But I'm the same way. I find myself being a little judgy around that. But again, could be our age. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Kids today. I know. Oh my yeah. God. Well, let's shift into the healer sure. talk because you already oh, you already yeah. dropped the H bomb earlier. So I did drop the H bomb. Did I caught it? So are you a healer? Oh, I see. I knew you were going to ask because you told me you were going to ask. Mm-hmm. I don't lie. I know. I've been very hesitant with the H word, calling myself (laughs) a healer. I'm much more comfortable with teacher healer Mm -hmm. because I'm real comfortable with my role as a teacher. It feels very clear to me, but I've become more and more comfortable with teacher healer. And especially because when I teach, my intention is for healing, but I'm working with the boundaries of that. Because Mm -hmm. so many of our students need healing. 
Mm-hmm. But I am not their therapist. I right. am their teacher. So for me right now, what I'm trying to do through my teaching or supervision or consultation is to create an experience that has the potential to be healing. Mm-hmm. And my intention is to hold space for people to do their own work and healing, regardless of where we are. So in that way, I'm embracing healer. But I, I have to say, you know, I, I was like, <laughs> well, am I supposed to be like Sai Baba with dust coming out of my hands? Yeah. Or, you know, feels like you should be Jesus or Buddha or something, and I'm not nearly. But I do, I do light touch healing work and energy work, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not, it comes through me, and I'm so grateful because you can see such amazing results for results. I don't think that's the right word, but there's healing that happens just right. from the exchange. And so I have, I guess, accepted the responsibility that comes with that. Or at least I'm hoping that that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I mean, I guess part of, well, as I continue doing this podcast, I continue yeah. to kind of clarify why I'm even doing it. And and I think one thing I really do want to achieve is to challenge the idea of what a healer is and what a healer isn't. Ah, uh, good. Because to be honest with you, I think in thinking back in my interviews, I've interviewed several teachers or people who at least teach as part of their work. And those are the folks that I think can sometimes have more of an impact even because it's because it's subtle and because it's not here. I'm setting out to heal you. You know, (laughs) it's the connection, I think. Seeing something in a student that maybe they struggle to see in themselves or giving a student a piece of information that unlocks, you know, their capacity for learning in a different way, like Mm -hmm. that's healing and you don't have to have that be your intention. But now that I think about it, like uh, there are just random interactions that can be healing. Right. Healing can come at any time. In, in all kinds of forms. I mean, music, I was hoping you were going to sing, by the way. I was like, oh, I hope Sarah sings when I'm talking to her. So just had to throw that in there. But oh, good. a song. So right. I incorporate all of that, not just when I'm doing, you know, work individually or with groups. I mean, that's how I teach. The room is set up. Right. There's smells, sound. I have meditation cushions. All my students, you know, look at me like, really, you're going to lug that to every class? Yes, I am. Wow. I have tea. You know, I bring the hot tea because the teacher, for ancient all of time, the teacher brings the tea. It's kind of mm. a ritual. Especially, I started that when I started teaching trauma because yeah. I thought, we're going to be talking about really hard stuff. And I've watched the students, you know, their faces, and they be, they start to kind of abreact when you're in there talking yeah. about these stories. And I thought, I want as much healing and as much, like, nurturing happening so that they're able to even open themselves up to learning about this stuff. Yeah. And I just found it so effective that I started doing it in other classes. So, mm-hmm. and you're right, healing can happen. It happens all the time in an in, in instant. And yeah. whether you're intending for that to happen or not, it's mm-hmm. part of what happens. But I do think that there are folks in our field that are not healers. And that I, I'm okay with that too. I think there's room for all kinds of helping people. Mm -hmm. But a lot of folks are healers. And I am just so committed to my own healing journey. Mm -hmm. I just am so, I guess, grateful. Because, you know, even like our shame intensive, the work that we did in our Mm -hmm. group and how incredible the transformation 
wasn't in there. Yeah. I mean, to be able to do that with other folks, I don't know that I would be able to do it with other people if I didn't experience it. Exactly. And so, yeah. Right. I mean, I remember Brene saying, if you don't get in touch with your own shame, it's going to come out sideways while you're doing this work and (laughs) that will not be pretty. And I was like, okay, I'll do my shame work. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I was like, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that was my birthday present to myself that year. Really? Going to Travassa? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because what's a better birthday present than dipping into your own shame? I think it's, you know, I mean, we always say that, right? That you're either doing shame or shame is doing you and Mm -hmm. you're pulling it around so it doesn't trip you up, all that sort of stuff. But if you haven't gone into that swamp, I don't know how you're going to take other people there. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. speaking of that, you basically just answered the question of whether or not you're a wounded healer. <laughs> well, yeah. Duh. Duh. Yes, of course. I mean, I think the reason that I was so interested in working with children, and I've always loved children. I was always in, you know, did a lot of carrying around babies anytime somebody would let me carry around <laughs> their baby when I was little. But of course, because of my own childhood, right? One of the things I really did not like when I was little is that people didn't take me seriously. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we know I've got some issues with needing to, to be <laughs> taken seriously. Mm. Probably why I got a PhD. But right, right. So it's not all bad. But I do think that I wanted to be a person that children knew I was taking them seriously and that yeah. I was there to be helpful and healing to them. And they're such, I mean, children are so, we're resilient creatures. So it's such an honor to work with human beings. I can't think of another job that's more amazing than Mm -hmm. than watching people transform. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And children, it's just magical. Mm. So for me, yeah, my childhood and, you know, growing up with an alcoholic, my biological father, which Mm -hmm. I know you already know this, but listeners don't. So that was my initial like wanting to work with children and families and try and help in some way. Mm-hmm. And then doing all my own work around that, which, you know, I continue to be amazed that trust is trust is still my Achilles heel. Yeah. So being a wounded healer, I think that we have the capacity I really don't know that many people that aren't wounded, but I know, we have right? Like, right? Like, I don't who know. the fuck doesn't have a pre-existing condition? We are right. all screwed up. <laughs> but the capacity to be with people and and have empathy and compassion and the desire to really help people. But I also think, you know, the way that you and I have done our own work and continue to do our own work and show up and are willing to, you know, cry before we go into Mm -hmm. a podcast and talk to other people, you know, like feel what we feel and feel it right in the moment, whatever it is, even if it's messy, it's just giving the whole world the permission to do the same. Yep. And if we weren't wounded, I don't know that we would be doing that. Yeah. What we're doing. Yeah. I do feel like as a therapist, the willingness that I have to look at my own stuff then dictates how I can take people on their journey. Not just like, oh, have I experienced what they have experienced? Like, obviously, that doesn't matter because we know you don't have to experience the same thing with empathy. But if I'm unwilling to look at a part of myself, then I'm not going to be able to help somebody else with that. Mm -hmm. One of the things I thought about recently is racism. 
And I was talking to a friend of mine that I had interviewed previously, Sarah Suzuki. She's been she's been really awesome. Like she's done a lot of anti-racist training and and does these things with her church. And we were talking about having bias and how you can't change bias. You just have to continue to create awareness around it and act against it. But like inherently, that means I do, I have racist thoughts. I have racist feelings because of that bias, right? And for whatever reason, I mean, my great grandfather was in the KKK and my dad loved to collect Nazi memorabilia. So clearly I came by that, mm. honestly, <laughs> as much as I hate to admit that. But if I if I'm not willing to stand up and say that, look, this is a thing that I struggle with and it's ugly, right? Mm-hmm. Those feelings and those thoughts are ugly and I don't like it. It's very ego dystonic. But I wouldn't be able to help anybody else with that if, if I'm not willing to look at that, right? Like that's my shame. It's mm-hmm. one of the one of the things that I carry around as being very shameful. And so recognizing that then helps me help other people get there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the awareness piece, like that's all we can do is to continue to be aware. I mean, I was I taught my wellness class last night and I realized, you know, I showed them a lot of white people. Mm-hmm. And I'm I think I'm the only white person in the room. And so mm. I, I'd have to think about that a second, but I think I am. I just want to be really aware of that. Like, how right. is this coming across? And mm-hmm. so I consciously change how I think I'm going to do our class next week. Because mm-hmm. if I were them, I don't know, I'll ask them next week and say, how is this feeling for you? I mean, and, and if I'm not even aware or willing to look at that or willing to come to them and say, how is this feeling for you? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. How are we going to make any difference? I just realized last week, too, there's a department in our university that are very nice people, but they are in a, a department that has been pretty privileged and they just mm-hmm. don't know any better. They have no idea right. that the rest of us have struggled and, and thought that we were poor because we've had to ask for, you know, beg to do you know, student engagement kinds of things and beg for money. And a lot of us have used our own money to do stuff. Yeah. And this department constantly has parties and their orientation is beautiful with like tablecloths and name tags Hmm. and a taco bar and the whole thing. And I'm like, (laughs) what? I'm not kidding. It's Where's taco my bar. taco bar? Well, they're nice. They, they're yeah. like, oh, we have tacos, but no idea. I mean, they have no awareness at all at how privileged they are because yeah. they don't know. And so I was like, oh, this is kind of like white privilege, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm always yeah. trying to put myself in a position of trying to understand exactly right what it feels like to be in a place where, you know, it's not that you're not nice. It's that- right you are just unaware. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen Insecure? No. The show on HBO. So the lead character is a black woman and she works in an agency called We Got Y'all. And they support like underprivileged youth, basically like education and and all that sort of stuff. And Uh in one of the last episodes, I watched the woman that runs the organization founded the organization and she is white and the logo is a white hand holding children of color and mm. right and so they talk Mm. about that in the episode and they are like yeah well the logo's racist and blah 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 Mm. blah Mm -hmm. and and the woman who's the executive director has a really hard time taking that because she's like but i started this and i have good intentions and all that sort of stuff Uh uh-huh yeah, so it's just we can we can be blinded to those things. And yeah. you know, kind of tying this back into wellness, 
when I think about what stereotypical self-care is supposed to look like, that's really only available to people with means, which mostly means white people. Right. So we talk a lot about that, too. And I, I really make a big deal about the small things mm-hmm. and the things that don't cost any money at all. And, you know, just putting your hand on your heart and saying good morning to yourself, which mm. I learned from another white lady. But <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but like, it's yeah. free. It's free. <laughs> yeah. But I do. I mean, and just thinking about this, like I'm doing a presentation at a conference in a couple weeks and I'm starting to wrap my brain around like, OK, what are we going to talk about? But it's really about student engagement. But thinking mm. about our non-traditional, I have non-traditional students mostly, And so what does that look like for them? What is student engagement Mm -hmm. and how are they feeling, you know, when the faculty is doing these things for them? Does it feel like it's actually something that's, you know, great intentions don't necessarily mean that it's actually being well received. Right. So, yeah, I think this is. And yes, I think self-care is one of those things that we think of if you have time and money. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so if we can find little ways of saying, you know, just to be nice to yourself and find a rock outside that's free and say, this reminds right. me, you know, to be grounded and to be grateful or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Kelly, we are coming to the we end of the time. hour. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I just I wanted to give you space if there's anything we didn't talk about that you really wanted to share today. Mm, I just really appreciate getting to talk to you and, mm-hmm. you know, be on here and say that we're all on a journey and I'm on it too. And it's scary and exciting. And there's a lot going on that I'm hopeful and excited about. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Right. We'll just mm-hmm. accept <laughs> and continue to surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And listen to our hearts. That's all I can really focus on that right now. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This it was just I'm so excited to hear your voice and see your face and connect with you today because it's always I feel like our hearts are definitely in communication whenever we're together. Mm-hmm, for sure. I know it always makes me miss you a lot. Yeah. I forget how much fun it is to be around you. Same, so it's same. been my pleasure. All right. Thank you so much, Kelly. Sure. Oh, Kelly, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. For more information about Dr. Kelly Ritter, you can visit my website at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. Thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Imposter Studios for editing. Thank you, Liam O'Donnell, for the amazing album art photo and Ben Mueller for our theme music. Please connect with us on social media or follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks so much and take care. Bye-bye.